You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Happy playing tournament night. We need a better name for that. Something a little catchier. <laughs> playing tournament night. First Pittin'. day of the playing. We'll Play work on it. We'll workshop night. it. P-I-T-N. Pitten. Happy Pitten. Happy. Uh, it's like uh, to the tune of P-Y-T. Pretty young thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. P-I-T. Or you could just do play in tournament and call it the pit. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're workshopping this. At Sarah Spain, (laughs) at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz, let us know. We need a little bit of a better name. Uh, It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, joined as always by Jason Fitz. Uh, We are close to tip-off here in Brooklyn for the Nets and Cavs. We're going to get into all sorts of stuff tonight. The latest on the Commander scandal. We'll talk about the second game tonight as we'll see uh, the Clippers in Minnesota face off. Um, Also, lots of good baseball stories to get into tonight. Uh, But we want to talk to our buddy Nick Friedel, kick things off with a little bit of a preview. We spoke to him just before the start of the show, uh, talking to him about not only tonight's game as the Nets and Cavs face off, but a kind of a wild morning with the shooting on the subway in New York City. So uh, let's get to that conversation with Nick. I started by asking him uh, for a little bit of how things were this morning and how it might affect the game tonight. So it was just surreal. Everybody started to find out as they were on the way to the Nets morning walkthrough. And once we got in there, the Nets turned the TVs to the news coverage. So as players and coaches were coming off the floor, they were learning even more about what was going on. And as Steve Nash has said a little bit ago, that's the stop, the subway stop that Nets staffers take all the time. It's really close to his kid's school. So everybody felt something very strong about what they were seeing because you could feel the helicopters whizzing by. You could hear the, the cop cars and the ambulances coming through down the streets. And it really was close to, to everything that the Nets do on a day-to-day basis. That subway stops about half a mile from their facility. So uh, it was a somber mood this morning. Everybody who was there in the morning and is now at Barclays is kind of looking around with the same look on their face like, wow, I, I cannot believe that kind of tragedy occurred right near us. So I think it's something that the the organization is dealing with, but these guys are professionals. They understand that they have a job to do tonight. I mean, that being said, Nick, some things are bigger than basketball. This obviously is, but when the game tips off, does the emotional heaviness in your mind impact any of what we're going to see? I don't believe so, Mr. Fitz, and I think part of that comes from the fact that uh, this team – coming into this game prior to this morning was so motivated to prove that it was still the team everybody thought they could be to start the year. And so while this is just a a crazy and a very sad set of circumstances heading into this game, this is a team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving that still believes that they can go chase down a championship, and they know that this is the first step towards that tonight in winning this game and getting four days off before they were to go into Boston for game one of that series on Sunday. So I don't think it's going to weigh on them to the point where it impacts the game. But after the game, it will be interesting to hear from even more players because we heard from KD in the morning. He said it's something nobody wants to deal with. Uh, and it, uh, for all the coverage that it's gotten, it has been something that everybody's had to deal with in this area all day long. Nick Friedel is with us here on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, 
Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. Nick, I, I looked at, we were talking about it on Around the Horn today. I think all 18 ESPN analysts asked to predict the outcome of this game had Brooklyn winning it. What would have to happen for them to lose tonight? The intensity that they've played with at times over the last couple of weeks there would have to disappear. And they know that Cleveland is a very good team. They're a tough team. They play hard. And those are the teams over the last couple months that the Nets have struggled with. I mean, let's be honest. This Nets team still has plenty of talent, even though Harden got traded, Simmons has to play. They still have Kevin Durant. They still have Kyrie Irving uh, and a slew of veteran guys who know how to play. So uh, I think it's going to be a close game. I, I, I saw that the line was eight and a half. I started laughing. I went, oh, oh, boy, you never know with these Nets. But it would surprise me if they lost the night, in large part because they know if they do win, of rest before that next series. And so mm. Curry's dealing with some ankle issues and has been over the last month or so. So that would give him a rest. And Goran Dragic just cleared protocols and he's back, but he's not going to be able to play that much given that he's missed a week plus. So the break would be good for everybody involved. And that's why in the end, I think there is a reason to handle their business tonight. What does Cleveland need to do to reduce the impact of Durant or Kyrie in this game? I think the, the key for the Cavs is to stay in front of Kevin. You're never going to stop Kevin Durant. not going to happen. He's seven feet tall. He can get a shot whenever he wants. But this Nets group has struggled at various points throughout the season, season even when times were good, to get going if Kevin wasn't going early and often. And how do you stop Kevin Durant? Well, you don't stop him, but you throw every body that you can at him. You double him consistently. You give him different looks all night. And Durant is a hell of a passer, and he may beat you that way, but I'd much rather have Kevin Durant beating you by passing and not making shots and forcing somebody else to do it rather than Kevin Durant dropping 40 and saying, all right, see you guys later. So Tyree can always get really hot. He's an unbelievable offensive player. But the key to me for Cleveland is – throwing all kinds of different looks at Durant, forcing him to give up the ball and seeing if somebody else can beat him. Spain and Fitz talking to Nick Friedel as this, uh, we're talking to Nick right before the game is getting underway. It's probably underway right now as you're listening. Uh, is there anything to Kyrie playing against his, his former team? If they win, obviously they'll go on to play another former team in Boston. But uh, does it feel like there's any extra oomph there because of that matchup? There's not for Kyrie in that sense there, but I do think from a broader standpoint going into whatever this play-in, playoff run may be for the Nets. Kyrie has sat there for months and listened to everybody say, oh, the Nets can't do it. They can't do it in large part because Kyrie made the choice. vaccinated and didn't start playing until January. And even then couldn't play in home games till the end of March. So he's been listening to all this, and he really does seem motivated to prove to people, hey, I'm still here and I'm still awesome. On top of the fact that Durant is listening to everybody all the time saying, why did Kevin want to play with Kyrie? Why would you want to put yourself in that situation? Harden left in part because of Kyrie's decision, and now Simmons isn't playing. So what is the matter with Kevin? Why did he do this? He's been hearing all that. And so I, I really believe that, can make the push that they've been talking about all along 
and I think that part is important. But as far as Kyrie getting revenge on Cleveland or getting revenge on Boston, I'm not seeing it uh, being that much of a factor. I think the big, biggest factor is that this team just wants to prove to everybody that they are as good as they thought they were going to be in the beginning of the year. Real quick then, Nick, like, let's just t- play this scenario out. Brooklyn goes on a massive run. Is that proof positive in your mind that the play-in tournament is great because it allows these opportunities, or does it devalue the regular season even more? I think it is a very good thing for the league because it keeps markets interested longer. In a lot of cases, if the, the playoff races were decided or you knew the seven and eight seeds and that was it, all these, all these other teams in these cities, they wouldn't care. You're in getting more people invested for a longer stretch of time. You're generating a little more interest, and you're creating these spots, especially for the television partners, uh, that are pretty solid. As Kyrie said, last year it was Steph versus LeBron. This year it's KD, Kyrie versus the, the Cavs. So it's been interesting in that regard, and I would be really surprised if the moves at all off of what it's done with the play-in tournament. Awesome stuff, Nick. Thanks so much for the time. Enjoy tonight. Always, guys. Talk to you soon. Always love chatting with Nick Friedel. We talked to him just before the show started tonight. Obviously, that Nets-Cavs game is underway now. Nets with a two-point lead early in this one. I think the thing to watch for, for, uh, as we were talking with Friedel, is... um, you know, without Jared Allen, how did they defend Andre Drummond? He had 15 points, 12 boards last time these two teams met. They're just a different Cavs team without him. We've seen that since the All-Star break, that they've been not as good. And then once Allen went down, really uh, hasn't been the same for what was really an exciting Cavs team that out, outdid expectations by a ton. They had the longest odds preseason of any team in the league. Um, but hopefully they'll keep it tight, uh, uh, Fitz. I'd like to see a good game tonight. Yeah, that speaks, by the way, to the attrition that seems to be part of the modern mm-hmm. NBA. Like we, I think we've spent so much time looking at star players missing time because of rest, but there's been a real theme to this year's NBA of war of attrition, right? And at some point you're looking around saying, who's going to have anybody's left standing that can actually still right. play and aren't hurt? And the Cavs are a great example of that. So and unfortunately, the next matchup, the next matchup involves a team that's actually uh, going to be a little bit different looking because they got one back. Two, actually. It's Nets, Cavs now, but we got Minnesota and Clippers next. We'll get into that. It's next, Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Big night for the NBA. We still haven't worked out the right name for it. Let's call it Pit Night Play-In Tournament. I'm still going with that, Sarah. I don't know that we have a better solution I'll throw it up on Twitter. We'll see what the people got. Uh, you know what? We have creative listeners, so I'm sure it will turn yep. out to be spectacular. It's, it's Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. In fact, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Commercial Insurance protects small businesses with affordable coverage options. Quote today at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Now, we already told you early on in this one, the Nets taking on the Cavaliers, the Nets a favorite in this, obviously, given the fact that, well, they're the Nets, and they're up 15-9 to nine at this point. Surprising, as always, we should remind everybody that the Nets are even here, but equally surprising that the Cavs have played well enough to get themselves here. So surprising in two very different ways uh, as we get that matchup at 15-9. to nine. But that's not the only matchup tonight that we have in this play-in tournament, in this pit action, as it were, as we get the Clippers taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and Sarah, obviously, when you start thinking about the, the Clippers and the Timberwolves, 
you think about two different teams when it comes to the level of expectation also at different points because over the last couple of years, we certainly thought the Clippers had the opportunity to transcend. Health has prevented some of that. And it feels like the Timberwolves have been a team that repeatedly we've tried to give up on. But Carl Anthony Towns has found new life in the back third of the season and the Timberwolves are a team reinvented. So it makes for an intriguing matchup tonight. Yeah, this is a much more difficult game to call than I think the first one. While I would never call the Nets a lock because they have been so inconsistent and their defense always leaves you wanting more, uh, this is a game I think I can confidently say I think the Nets will win. The second game, I've got the Timberwolves, but so many things could go in either direction. What's interesting about them is they met four times this season. Three of those meetings happened within a 10-day span before Thanksgiving, none of them involving D'Lo. So you, you kind of throw those all out. You look at a Clippers team that was chilling around fifth in the West until Paul George went down. He was in the MVP conversation. Uh, They were a wholly different team than the one that dropped into the play and and just got back George and now has Powell uh, after the trade deadline. It's really hard to look at any of the previous meetings. Um, I also think you got a Timberwolves team that takes more and makes more three-pointers than anyone in the league and has the best scoring average against a Clippers team that's 25th in offense. So if you just get real hot and they can't find a way to slow down Cat inside-outside, you could have a veteran, defensive-minded Clippers team that you see as a winner in a series that doesn't win in one game. That's the, I think, the interesting part. The shooting of it is what's so interesting to me because you're right. Like, I fear streaky shooting when it comes to anything in the playoffs because it just feels like in the moment it's easy for that to get away from you. And the number of times, minus the Warriors. We'll take the Warriors, we'll put them in a little glass bubble and say, hey, you are the exception to the rule. It feels like a lot of times when you have streaky shooting teams coming in, it can get a little bit... uh, make me a little uncomfortable coming into it but you're right this is a Minnesota team that is not afraid to put them up and and makes them but also taking on a Clippers team that is a little deceptive like they don't shoot a lot of threes but when they do they do with great efficiency so like it feels like the shooting element of this is a big part of it you know when you start to think about the great point you made by the way because I've seen so many people today talking about these two teams head-to-head this year and I don't give a damn about that because it was so long ago and this Timberwolves team is playing so much differently right now than they were then I don't think any of that can be a factor. This all comes down to, to me, as, as cheap as this sounds so often, it's two stars. It's Paul George and it's Carl Anthony Towns. And we've seen who Paul George can be in the playoffs, particularly. We've seen how good he can be this year. But we've also watched Carl Anthony Towns just mm-hmm. get this level of comfortable in his own skin on the court where he takes over and nobody can shut him down. So I think there's a real advantage for Minnesota there. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. There's certainly depth to the Clippers. So if anyone gets in foul trouble, if it becomes a a track meet, they've got a lot of veterans uh, that can that can go in. And he almost uh, Ty Lue almost runs it like uh, I think uh, I think uh, Zach Lowe described it as um, like hockey shifts five Mm -hmm. and five. Right. Um, And I think the creativity defensively from the Clippers will be a real challenge for a young Timberwolves team. They'll try to throw so many different looks at them and tackle them in different ways, send so many different bodies and looks at Cat to see how they can slow him down, that it's going to require some maturity and some poise from a young Timberwolves team. But the same goes on the Clippers' side for their willingness to not get bought in and, and, and baited by Pat Bev. Because... Pat Beverly will find a way to try to get under the skin of his former team. Not only will he be able to help the Wolves kind of understand what Ty Lue and the Clippers are trying to do, but he will try to get 
at the guys that he used to play with and set them off. And that's something, you know, one of the downfalls of this Wolves team has been they're, they're over-fouling. But the Clippers have taken the fewest free throws of any team in the league. They do not get fouls often. So that sort of offsets what could be a weakness for the Wolves. And instead, they could find themselves being the ones that have to keep their composure as Pat Bev tries to, uh, tries to bait them. If this was a seven-game series, I would feel differently about it because mm-hmm. of Ty Lue, but it isn't. And to the point of Coach Ty Lue and who he is, uh, Om Young Masuk, our ESPN NBA, NBA reporter, said this about Coach on Barton Hahn. In history, in the last 25 years, no team had done that three times in the season. He did it four times in the season. Three of them came in a two-week period, basically in January. So Ty Lue has shown, and he, and he kind of had a chip on his shoulder to see. He told me, he was like, you know, it's hard to come out of LeBron James' shadow. Uh, Eric Spolster has kind of learned this, and it took time for him to do it. He wants to show that he can coach. And, you know, we've talked back to the Lakers. Remember, the Lakers interviewed Ty Lue yeah. and offered them the job. But they offered him, like, a three-year, three-year deal at, like, way less than what he was making in Cleveland. And he felt disrespected. And they also wanted to dictate who his staff was going to be. And so Ty Lue was like, no, I'm better than this. And, they, and Ty Lue even said, the Lakers thought I was just coming to coach LeBron. He was like, no, I came because I wanted to win. Ty Lue is a great coach, and I think we've seen it. And now we're about to see in the playoffs because this one he does his best jo- best work. I mean, the team last year, a lot of players called him Bill Belichick because he adapts and he makes changes on the fly during games, and a lot of times it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And that's why if this were a seven-game series, I would see it totally different. It's just one game. So for all of the adjustments that Ty Lue can make throughout the course of a series, Sarah, I don't think that plays as big of a, a part in this play-in. So I'm not sure that uh, it has the same weight that it would if we were talking about a longer series. It certainly doesn't have the same weight as a longer series, but it's not a complete non-factor, particularly against a young Wolves team. We'll see what he does tonight to try to offset what is very clearly a talent mismatch when it comes to Cat and their ability to defend him. Now, we'll keep the NBA updates coming, and we will keep all of the NBA action at the forefront of the conversation over the course of the show. But coming up, the Washington Commanders investigation has revealed troubling financial inconsistencies. We're going to give you the latest on what's happening there, what it means for the league, and what it could mean for Dan Snyder moving forward. That's next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you on a Tuesday night. We'll keep you updated on the play-in games. Brooklyn up 30-17 to 17 right now against the Cavs in the first one. We got Clippers, Minnesota later tonight. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to switch gears for a moment here and get to some football as Front Office Sports has released some new reporting on what's going on with the Washington Commanders. Uh, Congress looking into the team for the toxic workplace environment and finding financial violations. Senior reporter over at Front Office Sports, A.J. Perez, joins us now. A.J., thanks for the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Obviously, so much reporting on the commanders over the last few years, decades. Uh, tough to really put a timetable on how long we've been talking about improprieties of different kinds. But tell us about the latest reporting that you and Front Office Sports has found on the House Oversight Committee and what they're looking into now. Yeah, well, we reported uh, going back about 10 days uh, was the first report about having two books, which came out today in, this, in, the, um, in the letter that the Oversight Committee sent to the Federal Trade Commission. So uh, basically, they they detailed a lot of the you know a lot how they move money around inside that ticket office to allegedly uh, hold back some revenue from the NFL, which uh, not only impacts the owners, it really that's it, that is a big deal and that's, that doesn't help Snyder and his reputation among ownership around the league, but it also 
it goes across many years. That means that 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 means the cap wasn't 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 accurate. So the NFLPA is going to be likely looking into it. And uh, and if uh, these players were sort of money going back several seasons, that's that's a major issue. Not only for uh, the Commanders, it's a major issue for the NFL. So why is an oversight committee looking into this? This started uh, actually. You can all you can blame the leak of the John Gruden emails. Um, this all started in, in in October, days after those emails came out. Uh, obviously, forced John Gruden to resign uh, pretty quickly over there in Vegas. And from there, uh, days later, the they the uh, this committee announced that they were looking into the hostile workplace environment um, that the team fostered for allegedly for years, um, which was which was subject to an outside investigation of the NFL. Um, the, the NFL hired uh, a lawyer to do um, that finished last July, which ended with a fine of Snyder, sorry, a fine of the team, not of Snyder. Snyder stepped down on his own accord, we were told. And uh, so they basically, this, this all started, and you know, I was told today from my sources that that is still the focus, but there's, while that remains the focus, they are looking, you know, I just reported on, on Twitter a second ago, that you know, they're, they're, there's at least one subpoena that has gone out to uh, people who have knowledge of um uh, of the finances, these interviews that were in this uh, in this letter to the FTC today were voluntary. So now they're they're actually they're actually um, serving issuing at least one subpoena and probably more into those who knew about these the financial side of the team. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, talking to AJ Perez of Front Office Sports. You know, as sports fans, we're really focused on what does this mean for Dan Snyder as an owner, particularly fans of the commanders who would like to see him gone, are trying to figure out if this is the final straw because it is stealing money from other owners in addition to allegedly stealing money from fans. But what? how serious might it be if they do find that to be true, that they had two different books of financial information? That's what, a financial fraud? And, and that could have much more serious implications beyond just what it means for the team. Yeah, it could mean uh, the IRS gets involved at some point even. Yeah, but it, it's right. it takes 24 owners to throw an NFL owner out that has not happened in the modern NFL. And I don't even think it, you know, talking to people about this story the last few weeks, I don't think Richardson... Hey, Richardson would have been actually tossed out as an owner and after all the awful stuff that he was accused of doing there in Carolina. That he just, you know, he, he didn't want to fight, and that he, he sold the, the, the team to Tepper, made a lot of money. But it takes a lot. It, it, right now, when I, when, when, I, when I first started reporting this uh, about a week and a half ago, that there wasn't an appetite. That there, was, there was an appetite that, that w- w- is this enough, is this enough. But these continual headaches, these headlines that Snyder makes, I'm here in Ashburn. I'm literally an hour, like, a mile away from headquarters right now. So, you know, the, the feeling here is like every time there's a report about Snyder, it's like, this is, this is going to be it. But right. it's going to take, one of my sources said, it's, it's basically going to take the ownership, the owners to, to step up and, and, uh, make, and, and, and basically force the issue and to force them out. How hesitant owners, I mean, we've talked about this a million times on the show, though. Like, AJ, as easy as that sounds in some level, then the fear is going to be that Dan Snyder turns around and says, well, if you're going to put my skeletons out, then, then here are yours, right? Like, is, yeah. is the presumption that the, the Washington commanders have actually been doing business in a way that's dirtier than the rest of the league? Yeah, and, I, and I've, been, I've been talking to people, you know, some, I, there's so many NDAs involved, but I, I do talk to people who didn't have NDAs with the team who, who left um, uh, for various reasons over the years, and, they, and, and some of those people who, who worked for other teams told me stuff goes down at you know here at commander's headquarters or at the ticket office at fedex field things go down there that you don't see it 
that at, at other NFL teams. You know, what was described today was a lot. I have some more reporting I'm doing. There was a lot more going on. Um, and uh, it, there's just, you know, it, but to, to benefit what? We're, even today, we're talking about $5 million or so that right. was accounted, that, that may have been moved around. You know, that's not a lot of money to a billionaire like Dan Snyder. So why is he doing it? Um, that's a good, allegedly doing it. That's a good question. But, yeah, I think it's it's going to be, yeah, I, I mean, if, if this is happening at the at other teams, it's not happening at the scale. And I don't think uh, because there are there are there are there are audits and you have to work to get around them. Yeah, I mean, the five million dollars was allegedly what they were skimming off of the refunds for uh, fans on tickets. Right. Yeah. Whereas the amount that yeah. he was lifting that uh, might have been paid out to the NFL was was larger. Yes. Yeah. So that's that was one part of it. So the uh, the the. The other part was the the, um, the ticket broker, which they didn't really go into a lot in there, and I have a little more information on that. So they they would uh, they would use the brokers uh, to buy these blocks of tickets that were you know supposed to be going to fans. You know they had that fake two hundred thousand you know waiting list for uh, for season tickets that we which we've known for years that was not 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 accurate. Um, but yeah, they were they were they were selling these blocks of tickets and uh, then using kind of using accounting tricks to not. Like not count them towards the revenue that the forty percent that you have to pay out to these uh, to the visiting team under the under terms of the NFL bylaw. That to me feels like the difference fits, and and I know we've said a million times that he, he must know where the bodies are buried. Other owners <laughs> must have their own skeletons that they don't want unearthed by trying to get rid of Snyder over cultural improprieties. But Fitz, I don't know how you get over stealing money from the rest of the league. Yeah, and, and that, wondering where that started and ended. AJ, is there a process that allows that, to your knowledge, that allows the other thirty-one teams in the NFL to essentially go through the books of any team? Oh yeah, there's. A, it's all spelled out in the bylaws. It, not only for they, they have an audit once a year where they send they use BDO, Ernst and Young, or one of the big firms to come to every NFL team. They spend a few days there looking at the books, but there's also auditing every week of the ticket sales. So not. Not the not the attendance numbers that that they put on box scores, but they actually go in every single week and and check the numbers. So this was it, it, it was a pretty big undertaking. If all that was alleged in my story in in, in my reporting um, and and also in this FTC uh, letter today, you know, if if it was true, it was a it it it, it was it, it took a lot of work to avoid those audits. Right. Well, uh, having two sets of books really helps with that for sure. Hey AJ, <laughs> thanks so much for the time and and for the reporting. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. AJ Perez, senior reporter, front office sports, giving you the straight talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Fitch, you know, I want to stick on this for a moment after this because I do think that um, it feels like this continuous pouring of water into a glass when it comes to Dan Snyder, and we've been waiting for it to overflow. I don't know if you saw that video going around where they were playing the game of everybody had to put another drop in, and whoever finally overflows the glass gets thrown in the pool. It feels like that. It took about a half hour longer than I thought it was going to for the damn thing to overflow. I've been waiting for Dan Snyder to get thrown in the pool for for years now. Uh, This might be it. We'll get into some of the uh, details around it, and and maybe why it's not. Uh, Maybe why it's still not enough uh, coming up next. It's Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. 
We're presented by Progressive Insurance. NBA action is fantastic. That's an old reference. Look it up, kids. It's a, a we've got some play in action going right now as the Nets are up on the Cavs, forty-two to twenty-six. Remember, seven seeds so far undefeated in the long history of the play in tournament. <laughs> uh, so they could continue that, that that <laughs> that trend. We've asked you guys at Sarah Spain at Jason Fitz to help us name this uh, like uh, this tournament. Are we getting any good suggestions here? Yeah, we've got some decent ones. Um, our buddy Kaz, uh, P1, as they say, which means it's in the first spot on your radio. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a radio term. Uh, Kaz says, rename it to, you're about to get stomped in the first round, but enjoy this complimentary bag of cookies. Um, <laughs> he also went with, you down with P-I-T. Yeah, you, yeah, know, you me. know me. It's a little long. It's less of a nickname than it is an extension. Uh, Rosebug22, The Little Dance. D. Oh. Meismer, Highlander NBA. I like that. There can be only one. Uh, Lock 70, uh, 177. How about the Mediocrity Cup? Um, Joe Malungma. I actually like PIT because you don't want to end up in it, but if you do, you want to climb out of it as quickly as possibly. Lots of possibilities for metaphors and dad jokes. The Pit. Um, DTI, Delaying the Inevitable. And E. Mild 650, The Last Chance Dance. Um, oh. I went with... Uh, Playing ball, play, the plans ball, like the players ball, or uh, PIT to the tune of PYT. Okay. Uh, I, so, yeah, I mean, I think we haven't come up uh, on anything that's uh, any quicker or more efficient than what we already have, but uh, here we are. Well, well, we'll keep trying, and we'll see. You guys can keep tweeting us <laughs> at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. It, it, it can only go up from here. That's all I'm saying. Uh, in the meantime, I'll just keep thinking of PYT every time I think about it. Let's get to some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, and that comes in the form of the conversation we were just having about the Washington Commanders and the investigation that's happening right now, that uh, it looks like, according to an oversight committee, there may have been some accusation of financial impropriety by Dan Snyder and the Washington Commanders as they had two sets of books, according to these allegations, and were keeping money from fellow owners. But the thing that really hits me, Sarah, every time I think about this, like if you're an owner of an NFL team, usually – you can look at everybody that co-owns, the other the other owners, I should say, in your league and say, hey, uh, just get off my back. This is the way it's going to be. This is how I do business. And maybe everybody decides that they just don't want to press the issue. You can't tell Congress that. And <laughs> furthermore, if Congress is doing an investigation on this, usually some owners are so loved by their fan base. I would think that, you know, a congressman might sit back there and say, I don't want to be the one that takes this team away from this guy. But frankly, who would be mad if Dan Snyder right. got in You're trouble for this? You're going to score points. Yeah, like it feels like this is the moment where everything that Dan Snyder has done for a long time to irritate a lot of people comes back all at once and just just blows back in his face. Couple things, and you're right about that. You're going to get political points for taking him on, as opposed to uh, people siding with the team and the ownership, like they will often do in situations around sports. I think also. You know, what we've talked about is that there, there's probably got to be something that Dan Snyder knows about the other owners. Either he literally has dirt on Goodell and the owners, or simply that there are elements of what's gone on in Washington that are mirrored other places, and they really just don't want people to go digging. I mean, that's really what we've come to as the only reason that someone could bring shame upon the league, his team, kill their season ticket holder numbers, kill their quality of play, have the, the, the stadium falling apart. If you remember the, the, the leaking sewage in the suite, the, the side a partition that fell down literally on top of fans, I mean, uh, or, or fans falling on top of players. 
there are so many elements of this that you would think at some point they would push him out, especially when you look at something like Jerry Richardson and the Panthers, who basically said, uh, you know what, I'm going to go out and get out of here before you get digging anymore. I'm just going to let you think it was some foot rubs and inappropriate comments. I'm sure it was worse than that, and that's why he was so willing to acquiesce and sell. Um and Dan Snyder has not been willing to do that. He has been willing to stay in and let the digging continue. And I have to assume, Fitz, that something changes when it comes down to stealing money from customers and stealing money from the rest of the league. I don't know how, as a league, you can tell Washington fans, well, we just decided it wasn't that big of a deal that they might have lifted $5 million from you, not to mention whatever they stole from us. Yeah, that's the part of it. Once you start getting into this financial portion of it, now you have a distrust from your fellow owners. You also have distrust from the players. And remember, the player's salary cap is based on a revenue share, uh, on how much revenue all of these teams make. So maybe it's a small difference, but it's a difference when it comes down to it for the players. And I, I just keep thinking about who the Washington football team, uh, now commanders, who they used to be, you know, because for me uh, to be old man on the block for a second, when I did move to Maryland uh, late in my high school life, it was incredible. It was incredible in PG County. Like everybody had Washington football team flags up everywhere. Uh, people painted their houses. I'd never lived anywhere where a scrimmage every year. They, they stopped showing local TV to show the scrimmage between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Washington football team, a scrimmage. And everybody watched it mm-hmm. because that team was everything to that area. And you think about the way that that has trickled down and down and down. I've got friends now who, when I grew up, were absolutely just rabid and, and couldn't wait for the opportunity to get on the season ticket holder list. And they've let the season tickets they've gotten since then go. Like I, I feel like there's a win for the league at this point. If they can find a way to get rid of Snyder, then they could even work on, I don't know, the diversity ownership issue that they also have. They could conquer a lot of things in one move by getting rid of a bad owner like this just feels like it makes too much sense to not do it agreed but again what we come down to each and every time is for all of the things that he has done that should have been the final straw the league appears to be unwilling or unable to to remove him if you look at just last year and you remember that there was the murmuring around the minority owners desire to get out of the situation with snyder And many of us thought it was because of increased focus on the sexual harassment and toxic workplace investigation that they simply did not want to be on a sinking ship. As it turns out, there was nothing sinking about it because the NFL helped Dan Snyder change the the specifics of the contracts with those minority owners in order to acquire more power and a higher percentage of ownership and let him essentially change the financial setup in order to do so. They enabled and aided him in achieving a higher percentage in power of his ownership. And, you know, as we just talked to AJ Perez about the idea that he voluntarily stepped away and his wife is the one that's actively leading the team is such a joke. I mean, and that's, I think what's so insulting about all this fits is throughout the years of all of this has gone down has been sort of just the NFL looking us straight in the faces and either lying to us about pathetic, meaningless accountability like small fines that mean nothing to him or things like, oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's not actively participating in ownership right now. Sure. It, well, and the hard part about it is you're a thousand percent right that once you start messing with somebody's money, it changes the way everything's going down. Right. But the NFL is also going to inevitably have to deal with egg on their face and rightfully so if this is the moment that suddenly causes 
that change for Dan Snyder because then there's going to be a real conversation about so you don't value or care about any of these other things that have happened. You only care about money. That's something that the league has to get ahead of because if there's an inevitability of parting of ways, then you will as a league have to figure out when that's going to come and how you're going to deal with the fact that this, whatever this uh, straw is that breaks camel's back, whatever that straw is going to be, you're going to have to justify why every other straw didn't do that. And this, mm-hmm. the, the NFL should be forward thinking enough to get ahead of this. Unfortunately, they won't be. Yeah, and to your point, uh, the Jerry Richardson situation was probably about as good as it can go down in terms of a voluntary stepping away when everyone started sniffing around and a willing partner to buy. Of course, there are any number of people willing to buy, and with ownership uh, around the Broncos also underway, there's, there's plenty of willing people. The question is, how much will Snyder go down swinging? We have not heard a lot about Gruden of late, but the last I heard, he's still threatening uh, suit and exposure and NFL does not want to open up to whatever Dan Snyder wants to reveal on his way out if he is uh, furious about being forced to sell and that's why well, if it becomes a Congress thing or a financial fraud thing or a jail sentence thing that's a lot easier because that's that's more difficult to push back on yeah the only part about that is that as Congress continues with committees to look into everything that information is going to become more and more public. And that's yep. part of, you know, if you're mm-hmm. the NFL right now, you are wishing that Dan Snyder had just stepped away at some point already so that all of this could be over. But even if he steps away now, you can't stop an investigation that's already going when it involves something like fraud, which is far bigger than anything the NFL has, has told us to this point, right? So we're going to get details whether the league wants us to or not. Yeah, uh, and that I think is... I don't know, man. I, I mean, it, again, it feels like we're always going in circles trying to figure out what's what's the thing and what's the final. This has to be it. And somehow he always em- emerges. It, it's, it's maddening. Well, that's some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. And if there's anything we all know, it's not going anywhere until we get more information on it. In the meantime, is the super team era over in the NBA? Unbelievably, our next guest says it is. We'll figure out why and figure out what it means moving forward. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. And as always, hanging out with you on the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. NBA action is fantastic. That's an old reference. Look it up, kids. It's a, a, we've got some play in action going right now as the Nets are up on the Cavs 42 to 26. Remember, seven seeds so far undefeated in the long history of the play-in tournament <laughs> uh, so they could continue that, 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 <laughs> that trend. We've asked you guys at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, to help us name this, uh, like, uh, this tournament. Are we getting any good suggestions here? Yeah, we've got some decent ones. Um, our buddy Kaz, uh, P1, as they say, which means it's in the first spot on your radio. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a radio term. Uh, Kaz says, rename it to, you're about to get stomped in the first round, but enjoy this complimentary bag of cookies. Um, <laughs> he also went with, you down with P-I-T. Yeah, you, yeah, know, you me. know me. It's a little long. It's less of a nickname than it is an extension. Uh, Rosebug22, The Little Dance. D. Meismer, oh. Highlander NBA. I like that. There can be only one. Uh, Lock 70, uh, 177. How about the Mediocrity Cup? Um, Joe Malungma. I actually like PIT because you don't want to end up in it, but if you do, you want to climb out of it as quickly as possibly. Lots of possibilities for metaphors and dad jokes. The Pit. Um, DTI, Delaying the Inevitable. And E. Mild 650, The Last Chance Dance. Um, oh. I went with... Uh, Playing ball, 
play, the Plans Ball, like the Players Ball, or uh, PIT to the tune of PYT. Okay. Uh, I, so, yeah, I mean, I think we haven't come up uh, on anything that's uh, any quicker or more efficient than what we already have, but uh, here we are. Well, well, we'll keep trying, and we'll see. You guys can keep tweeting <laughs> us at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. It, it, it can only go up from here. That's all I'm saying. Uh, in the meantime, I'll just keep thinking of PYT every time I think about it. Let's get to some Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, and that comes in the form of the conversation we were just having about the Washington Commanders and the investigation that's happening right now that – uh, it looks like, according to an oversight committee, there may have been some accusation of financial impropriety by Dan Snyder and the Washington Commanders as they had two sets of books, according to these allegations, and were keeping money from fellow owners. But the thing that, that really hits me, Sarah, every time I think about this, like if you're an owner of an NFL team, usually you, you can look at everybody that co-owns, the other, the other owners, I should say, in your league and say, hey, uh, just get off my back. This is the way it's going to be. This is how I do business. And maybe everybody decides that they just don't want to press the issue. You can't tell Congress that. And <laughs> furthermore, if Congress is doing an investigation on this, usually some owners are so loved by their fan base. I would think that you know a congressman might sit back there and say, I don't want to be the one that takes this team away from this guy. But frankly, who would be mad if Dan Snyder right? got in You're trouble for this? You're going to score points. Yeah, like it feels like this is the moment where everything that Dan Snyder has done for a long time to irritate a lot of people comes back all at once and just just blows back in his face. Couple things, and you're right about that. You're going to get political points for taking him on, as opposed to uh, people siding with the team and the ownership, like they will often do in situations around sports. I think also. You know, what we've talked about is that there, there's probably got to be something that Dan Snyder knows about the other owners. Either he literally has dirt on Goodell and the owners, or simply that there are elements of what's gone on in Washington that are mirrored other places, and they really just don't want people to go digging. I mean, that's really what we've come to as the only reason that someone could bring shame upon the league, his team, kill their season ticket holder numbers, kill their quality of play, have the, the, the stadium falling apart. If you remember the, the, the leaking sewage in the suite, the, the side a partition that fell down literally on top of fans, I mean, uh, or, or fans falling on top of players. There are so many elements of this that you would think at some point they would push him out, especially when you look at something like Jerry Richardson and the Panthers, who basically said, uh, you know what, I'm going to go out and get out of here before you get digging anymore. I'm just going to let you think it was some foot rubs and inappropriate comments. I'm sure it was worse than that, and that's why he was so willing to acquiesce and sell. Um, and Dan Snyder has not been willing to do that. He has been willing to stay in and let the digging continue. And I have to assume, Fitz, that something changes when it comes down to stealing money from customers and stealing money from the rest of the league. I don't know how, as a league, you can tell Washington fans, well, we just decided it wasn't that big of a deal that they might have lifted $5 million from you, not to mention whatever they stole from us. Yeah, that's the part of it. Once you start getting into this financial portion of it, now you have a distrust from your fellow owners. You also have distrust from the players. And remember, the player's salary cap is based on a revenue share uh, uh, on how much revenue all of these teams make. So maybe it's a small difference, but it's a difference when it comes down to it for the players. And I, I just keep thinking about who the Washington football team uh, now commanders, who they used to be, you know, because for me uh, to be old man on the block for a second, when I did move to Maryland uh, late in my high school life, 
it was incre- it was incredible in PG County. Like everybody had Washington football team flags up everywhere. Uh, people painted their houses. I'd never lived anywhere where a scrimmage. Every year they they stopped showing local TV to show the scrimmage between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Washington football team. A scrimmage, and everybody watched it mm-hmm. because that team was everything to that area. And you think about the way that that has trickled down and down and down. I've got friends now who, when I grew up, were absolutely just rabid and and couldn't wait for the opportunity to get on the season ticket holder list and they've let the season tickets they've gotten since then go like I I feel like there's a win for the league at this point if they can find a way to get rid of Snyder then they could even work on I don't know the diversity ownership issue that they also have they could conquer a lot of things in one move by getting rid of a bad owner like this just feels like it makes too much sense to not do it agreed but again what we come down to each and every time is for all of the things that he has done that should have been the final straw. The league appears to be unwilling or un- unable to to remove him. If you look at just last year and you remember that there was the murmuring around the minority owner's desire to get out of the situation with Snyder. And many of us thought it was because of increased focus on the sexual harassment and toxic workplace investigation that they simply did not want to be on a sinking ship. As it turns out, there was nothing sinking about it because the NFL helped Dan Snyder change the, 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 the specifics of the contracts with those minority owners in order to acquire more power and a higher percentage of ownership and let him essentially change the financial setup in order to do so. They enabled and aided him in achieving a higher percentage in power of his ownership. And, you know, as we just talked to AJ Perez about, the idea that he voluntarily stepped away and his wife is the one that's actively leading the team is such a joke. I mean, and that's, I think what's so insulting about all this fits is throughout the years of all of this has gone down has been sort of just the NFL looking us straight in the faces and either lying to us about pathetic, meaningless accountability, like small fines that mean nothing to him or things like, Oh yeah, he's, he's not actively participating in ownership right now. Sure. Well, and the hard part about it is you're a thousand percent right that once you start messing with somebody's money, it changes the way everything's going down. Right. But the NFL is also going to inevitably have to deal with egg on their face and rightfully so. If this is the moment that suddenly causes that change for Dan Snyder, because then there's going to be a real conversation about. So you don't value or care about any of these other things that have happened. You only care about money. That's something that the league has to get ahead of because if there's an inevitability of parting of ways, then you will, as a league, have to figure out when that's going to come and how you're going to deal with the fact that this, whatever this uh, straw is that breaks camel's back, whatever that straw is going to be, you're going to have to justify why every other straw didn't do that. And this, mm-hmm. the, the NFL should be forward-thinking enough to get ahead of this. Unfortunately, they won't be. Yeah, and to your point, uh, the Jerry Richardson situation was probably about as good as it can go down in terms of a voluntary stepping away when everyone started sniffing around and a willing partner to buy. Of course, there are any number of people willing to buy, and with ownership uh, around the Broncos also underway, there's, there's plenty of willing people. The question is, how much will Snyder go down swinging? We have not heard a lot about Gruden of late, but the last I heard, he's still threatening Uh, suit and exposure and NFL does not want to open up to whatever Dan Snyder wants to reveal on his way out if he is furious about being forced to sell and that's why if it becomes a Congress thing or a financial fraud thing or a jail sentence thing that's a lot easier because that's that's more difficult to push back on yeah the only part about that is that 
as Congress continues with committees to look into everything, that information is going to become more and more public. And that's part of, you know, if you're Mm -hmm. the NFL right now, you are wishing that Dan Snyder had just stepped away at some point already so that all of this could be over. But even if he steps away now, you can't stop an investigation that's already going when it involves something like fraud, which is far bigger than anything the NFL has, has told us to this point, right? So we're going to get details whether the league wants us to or not. Yeah, uh, and that I think is, I don't know, man. I, I mean, it, again, it feels like we're always going in circles trying to figure out what's what's the thing and what's the final, this has to be it. And somehow he always em- emerges. It, it's It's maddening. Well, that's some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. And if there's anything we all know, it's not going anywhere until we get more information on it. In the meantime, is the super team era over in the NBA? Unbelievably, our next guest says it is. We'll figure out why and figure out what it means moving forward. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. And as always, hanging out with you on the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. NBA action is fantastic. That's an old reference. Look it up, kids. It's a, a we've got some play in action going right now as the Nets are up on the Cavs, forty-two to twenty-six. Remember, seven seeds so far undefeated in the long history of the play in tournament. <laughs> uh, so they could continue that, that 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 <laughs> trend. We've asked you guys at Sarah Spain at Jason Fitz to help us name this uh, like uh, this tournament. Are we getting any good suggestions here? Yeah, we've got some decent ones. Um, our buddy Kaz, uh, P1, as they say, which means it's in the first spot on your radio. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a radio term. Uh, Kaz says, rename it to, you're about to get stomped in the first round, but enjoy this complimentary bag of cookies. Um, <laughs> he also went with, you down with P-I-T. Yeah, you, yeah, know, you me. know me. It's a little long. It's less of a nickname than it is an extension. Uh, Rosebug22, The Little Dance. D. Meismer, Highlander NBA. I like that. There can be only one. Uh, Lock uh, 177. How about the Mediocrity Cup? Um, Joe Malungma. I actually like PIT because you don't want to end up in it, but if you do, you want to climb out of it as quickly as possibly. Lots of possibilities for metaphors and dad jokes. The Pit. Um, DTI, Delaying the Inevitable. And E. Mild 650, The Last Chance Dance. Um, I went with... uh, Playing ball, play, the plans ball, like the players ball, or uh, PIT to the tune of PYT. Okay. Uh, I, so, yeah, I mean, I think we haven't come up uh, on anything that's uh, any quicker or more efficient than what we already have, but uh, here we are. Well, well, we'll keep trying, and we'll see. You guys can keep tweeting <laughs> us at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. It, it, it can only go up from here. That's all I'm saying. Uh, in the meantime, I'll just keep thinking of PYT every time I think about it. Let's get to some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, and that comes in the form of the conversation we were just having about the Washington Commanders and the investigation that's happening right now, that uh, it looks like, according to an oversight committee, there may have been some accusation of financial impropriety by Dan Snyder and the Washington Commanders as they had two sets of books, according to these allegations, and were keeping money from fellow owners. But the thing that, that really hits me, Sarah, every time I think about this, like if you're an owner of an NFL team, usually – you can look at everybody that co-owns, the other the other owners, I should say, in your league and say, hey, just get off my back. This is the way it's going to be. This is how I do business. And maybe everybody decides that they just don't want to press the issue. You can't tell Congress that. And <laughs> furthermore, if Congress is doing an investigation on this, usually some owners are so loved by their fan base. I would think that you know a congressman might sit back there and say, I don't want to be the one that takes this team away from this guy. 
But frankly, who would be mad if Dan Snyder right. got in trouble for this? You're going to score points. Yeah. Like, it feels like this is the moment where everything that Dan Snyder has done for a long time to irritate a lot of people comes back all at once and just, just blows back in his face. Couple things, and you're right about that. You're going to get political points for taking him on, as opposed to uh, people siding with the team and the ownership, like they will often do in situations around sports. I think also, you know, what we've talked about is that there, there's probably got to be something that Dan Snyder knows about the other owners. Either he literally has dirt on Goodell and the owners, or simply that there are elements of what's gone on in Washington that are mirrored other places, and they really just don't want people to go digging. I mean, that's really what we've come to as. The only reason that someone could bring shame upon the league, his team, kill their season ticket holder numbers, kill their quality of play, have the, the, the stadium falling apart. If you remember the, the, the leaking sewage in the suite, the, the side a partition that fell down literally on top of fans, I mean, uh, or, or fans falling on top of players. There are so many elements of this that you would think at some point they would push him out, especially when you look at something like Jerry Richardson and the Panthers, who basically said, uh, you know what, I'm going to go out and get out of here before you get digging anymore. I'm just going to let you think it was some foot rubs and inappropriate comments. I'm sure it was worse than that, and that's why he was so willing to acquiesce and sell. Um, and Dan Snyder has not been willing to do that. He has been willing to stay in and let the digging continue. And I have to assume, Fitz, that something changes when it comes down to stealing money from customers and stealing money from the rest of the league. I don't know how, as a league, you can tell Washington fans, well, we just decided it wasn't that big of a deal that they might have lifted $5 million from you, not to mention whatever they stole from us. Yeah, that's the part of it. Once you start getting into this financial portion of it, now you have a distrust from your fellow owners. You also have distrust from the players. And remember, the player's salary cap is based on a revenue share uh, uh, on how much revenue all of these teams make. So maybe it's a small difference, but it's a difference when it comes down to it for the players. And I, I just keep thinking about who the Washington football team uh, now commanders, who they used to be, you know, because for me uh, to be old man on the block for a second, when I did move to Maryland uh, late in my high school life, it was incre- it was incredible in PG County. Like everybody had Washington football team flags up everywhere. Uh, people painted their houses. I'd never lived anywhere where a scrimmage. Every year they they stopped showing local TV to show the scrimmage between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Washington football team. A scrimmage, and everybody watched it mm-hmm. because that team was everything to that area. And you think about the way that that has trickled down and down and down. I've got friends now who, when I grew up, were absolutely just rabid and and couldn't wait for the opportunity to get on the season ticket holder list and they've let the season tickets they've gotten since then go like I, I feel like there's a win for the league at this point if they can find a way to get rid of Snyder then they could even work on I don't know the diversity ownership issue that they also have they could conquer a lot of things in one move by getting rid of a bad owner like this just feels like it makes too much sense to not do it agreed but again what we come down to each and every time is for all of the things that he has done that should have been the final straw. The league appears to be unwilling or un- unable to to remove him. If you look at just last year and you remember that there was the murmuring around the minority owner's desire to get out of the situation with Snyder. And many of us thought it was because of increased focus on the sexual harassment and toxic workplace investigation that they simply did not want to be on a sinking ship. As it turns out, there was nothing sinking about it because the NFL helped Dan Snyder change the, 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 
the specifics of the contracts with those minority owners in order to acquire more power and a higher percentage of ownership and let him essentially change the financial setup in order to do so. They enabled and aided him in achieving a higher percentage in power of his ownership. And, you know, as we just talked to AJ Perez about the idea that he voluntarily stepped away and his wife is the one that's actively leading the team is such a joke. I mean, and that's, I think, what's so insulting about all this fits is throughout the years of all of this has gone down has been sort of just the NFL looking us straight in the faces and either lying to us about pathetic, meaningless accountability like small fines that mean nothing to him or things like, oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's not actively participating in ownership right now. Sure. Well, and the hard part about it is you're a thousand percent right that once you start messing with somebody's money, it changes the way everything's going down, right? But the NFL is also going to inevitably have to deal with egg on their face, and rightfully so, if this is the moment that suddenly causes that change for Dan Snyder, because then there's going to be a real conversation about, so you don't value or care about any of these other things that have happened, you only care about money. That's something that the league has to get ahead of, because if there's an inevitability of parting of ways, then you will, as a league, have to figure out when that's going to come and how you're going to deal with the fact that this, whatever this uh, straw is that breaks camel's back, whatever that straw is going to be, you're going to have to justify why every other straw didn't do that. And this, mm-hmm. the, the NFL should be forward-thinking enough to get ahead of this. Unfortunately, they won't be. Yeah, and to your point, uh, the Jerry Richardson situation was probably about as good as it can go down in terms of a voluntary stepping away when everyone started sniffing around and a willing partner to buy. Uh, Of course, there are any number of people willing to buy, and with ownership uh, around the Broncos also underway, there's, there's plenty of willing people. The question is, how much will Snyder go down swinging? We have not heard a lot about Gruden of late, but the last I heard, he's still threatening Uh, suit and exposure and NFL does not want to open up to whatever Dan Snyder wants to reveal on his way out if he is uh, furious about being forced to sell and that's why if it becomes a Congress thing or a financial fraud thing or a jail sentence thing that's a lot easier because that's that's more difficult to push back on yeah the only part about that is that as Congress continues with committees to look into everything that information is going to become more and more public. And that's part of, you know, if you're Mm -hmm. the NFL right now, you are wishing that Dan Snyder had just stepped away at some point already so that all of this could be over. But even if he steps away now, you can't stop an investigation that's already going when it involves something like fraud, which is far bigger than anything the NFL has, has told us to this point, right? So we're going to get details whether the league wants us to or not. Yeah, uh, and that, I think, is... I don't know, man. I, I mean, it, again, it feels like we're always going in circles trying to figure out what's what's the thing and what's the final. This has to be it. And somehow he always em- emerges. It, it's it's maddening. Well, that's some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. And if there's anything we all know, it's not going anywhere until we get more information on it. In the meantime, is the super team era over in the NBA? Unbelievably, our next guest says it is. We'll figure out why and figure out what it means moving forward. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. And as always, hanging out with you on the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. 
We're presented by Progressive Insurance. NBA action is fantastic. That's an old reference. Look it up, kids. It's a, a we've got some play in action going right now as the Nets are up on the Cavs, forty-two to twenty-six. Remember, seven seeds so far undefeated in the long history of the play-in tournament. <laughs> uh, so they can Story continue that, that 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 <laughs> trend. We've asked you guys at Sarah Spain at Jason Fitz to help us name this uh, like uh, this tournament. Are we getting any good suggestions, Sarah? Yeah, we've got some decent ones. Um, our buddy Kaz, uh, P1, as they say, which means it's in the first spot on your radio. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a radio term. Uh, Kaz says, rename it to, you're about to get stomped in the first round, but enjoy this complimentary bag of cookies. Um, <laughs> he also went with, you down with P-I-T. Yeah, you, yeah, know, you me. know me. It's a little long. It's less of a nickname than it is an extension. Uh, Rosebug22, The Little Dance. D. Meismer, oh. Highlander NBA. I like that. There can be only one. Uh, Lock 70, uh, 177. How about the Mediocrity Cup? Um, Joe Malungma. I actually like PIT because you don't want to end up in it, but if you do, you want to climb out of it as quickly as possibly. Lots of possibilities for metaphors and dad jokes. The Pit. Um, DTI, Delaying the Inevitable. And E. Mild 650, The Last Chance Dance. Um, oh. I went with... Uh, Playing ball, play, the plans ball, like the players ball, or uh, PIT to the tune of PYT. Okay. Uh, I, so, yeah, I mean, I think we haven't come up uh, on anything that's uh, any quicker or more efficient than what we already have, but uh, here we are. Well, well, we'll keep trying, and we'll see. You guys can keep tweeting us <laughs> at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. It, it, it can only go up from here. That's all I'm saying. Uh, in the meantime, I'll just keep thinking of PYT every time I think about it. Let's get to some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, and that comes in the form of the conversation we were just having about the Washington Commanders and the investigation that's happening right now that uh, it looks like, according to an oversight committee, there may have been some accusation of financial impropriety by Dan Snyder and the Washington Commanders as they had two sets of books, according to these allegations, and were keeping money from fellow owners. But the thing that really hits me, Sarah, every time I think about this, like if you're an owner of an NFL team, usually – you can look at everybody that co-owns, the other the other owners, I should say, in your league and say, hey, just get off my back. This is the way it's going to be. This is how I do business. And maybe everybody decides that they just don't want to press the issue. You can't tell Congress that. And <laughs> furthermore, if Congress is doing an investigation on this, usually some owners are so loved by their fan base. I would think that you know a congressman might sit back there and say, I don't want to be the one that takes this team away from this guy. But frankly, who would be mad if Dan Snyder right. got in You're trouble for this? You're going to score points. Yeah, like it feels like this is the moment where everything that Dan Snyder has done for a long time to irritate a lot of people comes back all at once and just just blows back in his face. Couple things, and you're right about that. You're going to get political points for taking him on, as opposed to uh, people siding with the team and the ownership, like they will often do in situations around sports. I think also. You know, what we've talked about is that there, there's probably got to be something that Dan Snyder knows about the other owners. Either he literally has dirt on Goodell and the owners, or simply that there are elements of what's gone on in Washington that are mirrored other places, and they really just don't want people to go digging. I mean, that's really what we've come to as the only reason that someone could bring shame upon the league, his team, kill their season ticket holder numbers, kill their quality of play, have the, the, the stadium falling apart. If you remember the, the, the leaking sewage in the suite, the, the side a partition that fell down literally on top of fans, I mean, uh, or, or fans falling on top of players. 
there are so many elements of this that you would think at some point they would push him out, especially when you look at something like Jerry Richardson and the Panthers, who basically said, uh, you know what, I'm going to go out and get out of here before you get digging anymore. I'm just going to let you think it was some foot rubs and inappropriate comments. I'm sure it was worse than that, and that's why he was so willing to acquiesce and sell. Um, and Dan Snyder has not been willing to do that. He has been willing to stay in and let the digging continue. And I have to assume, Fitz, that something changes when it comes down to stealing money from customers and stealing money from the rest of the league. I don't know how, as a league, you can tell Washington fans, well, we just decided it wasn't that big of a deal that they might have lifted $5 million from you, not to mention whatever they stole from us. Yeah, that's the part of it. Once you start getting into this financial portion of it, now you have a distrust from your fellow owners. You also have distrust from the players. And remember, the player's salary cap is based on a revenue share uh, uh, on how much revenue all of these teams make. So maybe it's a small difference, but it's a difference when it comes down to it for the players. And I, I just keep thinking about who the Washington football team uh, now commanders, who they used to be, you know, because for me uh, to be old man on the block for a second, when I did move to Maryland uh, late in my high school life, it was incre- it was incredible in PG County. Like everybody had Washington football team flags up everywhere. Uh, people painted their houses. I'd never lived anywhere where a scrimmage. Every year they they stopped showing local TV to show the scrimmage between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Washington football team. A scrimmage, and everybody watched it mm-hmm. because that team was everything to that area. And you think about the way that that has trickled down and down and down. I've got friends now who, when I grew up, were absolutely just rabid and and couldn't wait for the opportunity to get on the season ticket holder list and they've let the season tickets they've gotten since then go like I, I feel like there's a win for the league at this point if they can find a way to get rid of Snyder then they could even work on I don't know the diversity ownership issue that they also have they could conquer a lot of things in one move by getting rid of a bad owner like this just feels like it makes too much sense to not do it Agreed. But again, what we come down to each and every time is for all of the things that he has done that should have been the final straw. The league appears to be unwilling or unable to to remove him. If you look at just last year and you remember that there was the murmuring around the minority owners desire to get out of the situation with Snyder. And many of us thought it was because of increased focus on the sexual harassment and toxic workplace investigation that they simply did not want to be on a sinking ship. As it turns out, there was nothing sinking about it because the NFL helped Dan Snyder change the, 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 the specifics of the contracts with those minority owners in order to acquire more power and a higher percentage of ownership and let him essentially change the financial setup in order to do so. They enabled and aided him in achieving a higher percentage in power of his ownership and you know, as we just talked to AJ Perez about the idea that he voluntarily stepped away and his wife is the one that's actively leading the team is such a joke. I mean, and that's, I think, what's so insulting about all this fits is throughout the years of all of this has gone down has been sort of just the NFL looking us straight in the faces and either lying to us about pathetic, meaningless accountability like small fines that mean nothing to him or things like, oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's not actively participating in ownership right now. Sure. Well, and the hard part about it is you're a thousand percent right that once you start messing with somebody's money, it changes the way everything's going down, right? But the NFL is also going to inevitably have to deal with egg on their face, and rightfully so, if this is the moment that suddenly causes 
that change for Dan Snyder because then there's going to be a real conversation about so you don't value or care about any of these other things that have happened. You only care about money. That's something that the league has to get ahead of because if there's an inevitability of parting of ways, then you will as a league have to figure out when that's going to come and how you're going to deal with the fact that this, whatever this uh, straw is that breaks camel's back, whatever that straw is going to be, you're going to have to justify why every other straw didn't do that. And this, mm-hmm. the, the NFL should be forward thinking enough to get ahead of this. Unfortunately, they won't be. Yeah, and to your point, uh, the Jerry Richardson situation was probably about as good as it can go down in terms of a voluntary stepping away when everyone started sniffing around and a willing partner to buy. Of course, there are any number of people willing to buy, and with ownership uh, around the Broncos also underway, there's, there's plenty of willing people. The question is, how much will Snyder go down swinging? We have not heard a lot about Gruden of late, but the last I heard, he's still threatening uh, suit and exposure and NFL does not want to open up to whatever Dan Snyder wants to reveal on his way out if he is uh, furious about being forced to sell and that's why well, if it becomes a Congress thing or a financial fraud thing or a jail sentence thing that's a lot easier because that's that's more difficult to push back on yeah the only part about that is that as Congress continues with committees to look into everything that information is going to become more and more public. And that's yep. part of, you know, if you're mm-hmm. the NFL right now, you are wishing that Dan Snyder had just stepped away at some point already so that all of this could be over. But even if he steps away now, you can't stop an investigation that's already going when it involves something like fraud, which is far bigger than anything the NFL has, has told us to this point, right? So we're going to get details whether the league wants us to or not. Yeah, uh, and that I think is... I don't know, man. I, I mean, it, again, it feels like we're always going in circles trying to figure out what's what's the thing and what's the final. This has to be it. And somehow he always em- emerges. It, it's, it's maddening. Well, that's some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. And if there's anything we all know, it's not going anywhere until we get more information on it. In the meantime, is the super team era over in the NBA? Unbelievably, our next guest says it is. We'll figure out why and figure out what it means moving forward. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. And as always, hanging out with you on the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM. Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Obviously, a lot of eyes on the play-in tournament. Right now, the Nets up 79-64. to Looks like that game is not going to have a lot of suspense so far. There's a couple minutes left. In the third, uh, the, the later game tonight is the one I think we, we all believe will have a little more intrigue. Clippers taking on the Timberwolves. Uh, that's at 9.30 Eastern. You don't want to miss that. We will keep you updated on the action. But, Sarah, before we uh, went to break, we were talking about some of the big news stories throughout the course of Major League Baseball. And there's one story we didn't have the chance to get to there that I think is important, not just for baseball fans, but for fans of every single sport. Because when it comes down to owners being questioned, sometimes you realize that their logic just absolutely is a kick in the no-no places to fans. <laughs> yeah, uh, we've talked about this. Uh, in the past when it comes to folks like, say, uh, James Dolan, right? Like you can be frustrated with a coach or a GM and have some sort of hope that they will be replaced if the results aren't there. But darn it if owners, Dan Snyder, James Dolan, on and on, aren't the ones that are 
usually the most impactful when it comes to the outcome of the team and its successes, and they cannot be replaced. It takes a whole lot to get an owner out, and it sounds like Cincinnati Reds president Phil Castellini knows that because he was asked about fans who have been disappointed with the team just really not keeping up with baseball. Sloaney asked you about the quote, show a little faith in this, right? Yeah. And I, I saw you got right to the Colts. So you, you have people who say, look, uh, faith has earned 15 years of ownership. They haven't won to the extent that we would like. And so you had my faith, but you've lost it. Why should that fan maintain trust in you? Well, where are you going to go? <laughs> Let's start there. I mean, sell but the team to who? I well, mean, that's the other thing. I mean, you want to have this debate? You know, if, if you want to look at what would you do with this team to have it be more profitable, make more money, compete more in the current economic system that this game exists, mm-hmm. it would be to pick it up and move it somewhere else. Yeah. And so be careful what you ask for. You know, I think we're doing the best we can do with the resources well, that we I, have. I, I, we're no more pleased yeah. with the results than the right. fans. I'm not sitting here saying anybody should be. I'm not polishing any trophies in the office <laughs> yeah. right now, and that's what we're here to do. Um, but, you know, the bottom line is, and, and I do think we've had to shift the discipline. We've tried a lot of things that didn't work, uh, and they came this close to working and didn't. Uh, nobody's got to right. tell me it you didn't work. It. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. So I think we've learned Different from those approach. things. And trust me, Nick is, is, a, is, a, he is a guy on a That's mission. A and uh, he is a bull in a china shop that has his way to do it, and that way is to grow your own, and he's doing just that. Fitz, I think the first thing you said was the most honest. Where are you going to go? Yeah. Now you could just root for another team. And as I said before the break, someone once compared professional sports teams to restaurants to me and said, listen, if you went to a restaurant and they served you food with hair in it or it wasn't cooked right, you just wouldn't go back. That's not how it works with sports teams. The Cleveland Browns have served hair in their food for years. The Detroit Lions have served people hair in their food for years, and you keep going back. That's why it's such a great investment as an owner, because it's a monopoly. It's so hard to leave your team. And he knew he knew that. That's why his initial response was like, great, tell me how sad you are. You're going to come back. The few times that I've come on air and said, if you really hate something that your favorite team is doing, Pick a new favorite team. Uh, I have been destroyed on Twitter because everybody says, well, you don't understand. It doesn't work that way as a fan and blah, 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 blah. I understand to my core. I mean, I do what I do largely because of my fandom of the Raiders. Everybody knows that. I've suffered through a lot of terrible seasons. And I remember years ago telling somebody, look, when they were like, just pick a new team. Like, you spent so much time (laughs) in New York as a kid. Become a fan of a New York team. And at the time, the Giants weren't terrible. But I remember saying, like, it's not that easy. I can't just turn that switch off i understand it but the thing is if i understand it team owners understand it too and Mm -hmm. at some point for a lot of these guys they're looking at the business side of it and and just like every business could figure out ways that they could help their customers they could make the customer service experience better they could benefit their clients better every business could do that but many of them in the in the face of that choose instead to make as much money as humanly possible there are sports teams that are doing the exact same thing because they know at the end of the day if if, if you're mark davis you got to know at the end of the day i'm going to keep buying raiders gear no matter what even if i try not to mm-hmm. and that's the very thing that makes it, it de-incentivizes uh owners from wanting to turn around and do anything to make their teams better if they don't have to yeah and i think i'm always kind of torn on this because like for instance i'll i'll, I'll write about and get frustrated about things like Deshaun Watson getting the most guaranteed money of all time or Dan Snyder being allowed to continue running a team with the toxic workplace that we've heard about. There's so many things to get frustrated about with the NFL. And then people will say, 
then leave. Don't watch. Don't go. And it's like, yeah, okay, I guess I could take my money away, and that would hurt if enough of us did that. But it also means that every one of us that's going to loudly stand up and shout back about the things that they need to fix is gone. And then that means the very worst people are the ones who get to enjoy it, and potentially they don't hear as much from the folks who have a problem. And they carry on continuing to behave in whatever manner in which they want because there's no one holding them accountable. So I'm always torn on that. Is it better to try to stick around and get loud and be a bee in their bonnet about the things that matter or just to disappear? And, you know, there's a lot of folks in Chicago who do not appreciate the ownership of the Cubs. And a lot of folks say, I can't believe you still root for them. And I say, I agree. I find it frustrating a lot of the time. But at the same time, you could dig into most of the ownership of most men's professional teams and women's, unfortunately, I'm discovering more of late, and find a lot of issues. And it is power that breeds corruption. It is, it is wealth that breeds corruption. And that, to me, makes it really difficult to look across the sports landscape and find anywhere that you really feel good about supporting. Oh, God. You're, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, you're, you're so right. Everybody has a line in the sand, right? And uh, in theory, everybody has a line in the sand of as long as my favorite team doesn't do this thing, I can be comfortable with it to some level. I think what you hear in an honest moment from Cincinnati is sort of what's crazy about it is, hey, where are you going to go? And not only in that answer does he say where you're going to go, but it's also, hey, we're doing the best we can with this economic situation, alluding to the fact that if the team wants to be more competitive, maybe what they'd have to do is find a new city. So now all of a sudden part of the problem is the, the fan gr- group itself. And this is the, the difficulty. And, you know, you think about how many teams we've seen in the NFL over the course of the last decade relocate. And long term, we don't know what that's going to do. But short term, they're all doing just fine. You know, I mean, you could argue mm-hmm. the Chargers don't have a tremendous loyal fan base at, at home. I understand that. But by the time they share their profits that the league gets from the TV deals, does it matter? Like, are suddenly, are the Spanos family, like, are, are the Chargers organization, are they sitting around saying, don't know how we're going to afford dinner this month? Like, no. So, <laughs> you know, that, that's the, the real of all of this is that most of it, we yell and scream as fans, but owners only have to listen to a certain amount of it. And that's, that's wild when you think about it. I'm not sure there are a lot of businesses that have less accountability than owning a sports team does when it comes to actual action that you must do to keep fans because fans will keep coming into the building for a very long time, no matter how bad you are. Well, and worth noting, especially in baseball, and by the way, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio, with revenue sharing, you don't even really have to try. Jesse Rogers actually put out a story today, and Jeff Passan retweeted it and said, interesting timing on this, considering the comments from the Reds' ownership, because there was such a conversation about tanking during the CBA negotiations that baseball does not have a cap ceiling, although they try to manufacture one to lowball players and, and limit quite how much money they can make, which also means they don't have a floor. And that means you cannot hold teams accountable for taking advantage of profit sharing without actually investing. And so Jesse Rogers wrote a story about how as soon as negotiations ended, two teams started trying players away and tanking very openly. Cincinnati, Oakland, and elsewhere. And if you want to go read the story, it's on .com. The headline is, the new CBA was supposed to help fix tanking in MLB. Here's why it hasn't. And his timing is spot on for those comments from the Reds owner as you look at the management of the team, which says flat out by the moves that they're making, yeah, we don't want Sonny Gray. 
oh, we don't need Jesse Wink, or we don't need Eugenio Suarez, we're fine getting rid of these players, and now our payroll is about, you know, $126 million. The A's are at $50 million, right? Um, you're just and, and not it's, – it's, it, you're showing everyone what you're doing. And, and the, the wild part about that is I will use myself as an example. I mean, we, I picked the A's last year in my Major League Baseball bachelor process, right? Largely because I thought they would move to Vegas. But I went in after the CBA was negotiated, excited to say, you know what? I'm going to go all in and be this massive A's fan. And I watched them get rid of every single talented player that I'd ever heard of as I watched <laughs> and realized that now my, the team that I've chosen is going to stink all year. And there's no reason for me to invest. The problem is the A's don't really care about me. Oh yeah, of course not. I mean, you just arrived, also, so they don't but even know the you. Just yet. arrivers are the ones you got to win too <laughs> when right. you're growing. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's a problem. Uh, not for the owners, though. They'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, she's right. Freddie and Fitzsimmons is coming up next. The uh, the entire ownership group of every major league baseball team is going to join <laughs> wow, them. Thanks for hanging out get. with us, Spain and Fitz. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at seven Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.